This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Today, we're excited to bring to you an interview with Nat Ford, CEO of Jacksonville Transportation Authority. This is the first interview I've been able to conduct for Transit Unplugged in person on his site uh, facility there in Jacksonville, Florida in over a year. It's also, I'm excited to bring you, only our second repeat guest on Transit Unplugged, he and Andy Byford, and rightfully so. Nat Ford has become really the industry's leading innovator here in the United States. I was able to visit him during my March road trip down the southeastern United States, down I-95, visiting eight different transit agencies and companies, talking to them about how public transit is resilient and how agencies are coming out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic stronger in some ways than ever by refocusing their efforts on meeting the customer experience and making their customer experience the best it can be. Nat Ford's a great example of that. In Jacksonville, he talks about the event that we uh, went to just before I interviewed him, which was a ribbon cutting on a vaccine bus. This wasn't a bus that was taking people to the vaccine. This was bringing the vaccine to the people. A great event. We talked about uh, proposed increased new revenue locally there for him, the future of their Skyway, their COVID-19 response, their brand new move plan, and autonomous vehicles, which they have a test and learn track, which I was able to visit that day. Also, their brand new facility, JRTC at La Villa. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today I'm in Jacksonville, Florida on our tour of Southeast America. And I'm excited to be with my friend and CEO and industry leader, Nat Ford. Nat, thanks so much for being All with right, us today. All right, good morning. And thank you for joining us here in Jacksonville. Yeah, we just had a great celebration cutting the ribbon on your vaccine bus. Yes, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you what we've done as it relates to leaning in on this COVID-19 pandemic and the JTA's response related to uh, getting vaccinations in people's arms. Well, excited to have you back on the show. You're only our second guest to be twice. The first one was Andy Byford, and and so you're a good company Thank you. uh, to be on this show twice. So Nat's got so much going on up here in Jacksonville at the top of Florida, and we're excited to First off, be sitting in your brand new building that really you haven't really had a chance to fully occupy, right? Uh, yes. Uh, in <laughs> fact, we completed construction last year this time, and there was a plan for a major celebration, and unfortunately, the pandemic put that to rest. But we did move forward in May of last year and went forward with opening up the building and opening up the transit operation. But we're still in a posture where half of our employees are working uh, remotely from home and half are working here in the office building socially distanced. Mm-hmm. And But we're very proud of this facility. It had been on the books for a number of years, the Jacksonville Regional Transportation Center at La Villa. And what we've built here is a true Grand Central Station for uh, Northeast Florida. Across the street, I think you saw where we have connectivity to Greyhound, Megabus, and Red Coach, which operate inner city services. And then we have our fixed route bus service here, along with the Skyway, which is our automated people mover integrated into the facility. We now operate regional commuter bus services since the last time we spoke. So we're connected to Nassau County, which is the Amelia Island area. We run express bus service to St. John's County, which is the St. Augustine, city of St. Augustine area. And then 
know, we also operate all of Clay County services. So we have become more of a regional operator since we last talk and talked and a number of uh, micro transit ready ride services we provide in the community. So very proud of and our bus rapid transit first close flyer uh, bus rapid transit network uh, connects to this facility. And we have one final leg of that that we're building this year, which is the Orange Line, which will connect from this facility down southwest area of uh, Jacksonville, connecting with the Orange Park Mall. You've got an interesting organization here. Mm. Unlike a lot, you're responsible not just for transit, but roads and like everything we're allowed. Yes. That's why you're the Jacksonville Transportation Authority. Yes. So it's not just transit. Yeah, exactly. So our origins, our DNA is really road and bridge building in our community. And so a number of iconic bridges as well as roads were actually built by the Jacksonville Expressway Authority, which was created in 1955. It, we're a state independent quasi state authority. And so 1955, the Jacksonville Expressway Authority. In the 1970s, you had a number of privately held bus companies that were going out of business, going bankrupt. And we were asked to step in in the 70s, take responsibility for those bus operations. And so now we are truly multimodal in that we do road and, and bridge building. And we have a number of road projects that are underway right now. And then we operate, I would say, a mid-sized public transit agency. So a wide spectrum of transportation um, modes that we oversee, sidewalk building, road building, bike lanes, you name it, we pretty much do all of it along with our parking operations. Yeah, mm. and how? And what, when did you arrive here? December of 2012, so I just had my eighth year anniversary, and That's so awesome. I'm very excited about the time I've been here at the JTA. We've done a lot of exciting projects. Tell us, mm. I think a lot of people know your background, but for those who don't, tell right. us a little about your background, how you ended up here. Uh, yeah, so for those who don't know me, uh, I actually started out my career with New York City Transit as a train operator, a second generation uh, transit person. My father had uh, rose to the ranks of being the chief operating officer for New York Transit. And I sort of followed in his footsteps, became eventually a superintendent, a number of promotions, uh, superintendent in transit operations. Then uh, left, went to work for BART for about five years as their, uh, one of their assistant chief transportation officers, and then got recruited to uh, MARTA as their senior VP of operations, eventually appointed to uh, chief executive officer in uh, 2000. And then uh, San Francisco MTA came a calling and I started there in 2006 as their CEO and then landed here in uh, Jacksonville in December 2012. And so I've had a chance to work around the country and I'm just so excited about the work that I've been a part of over the years in these different communities. Well, I think it shows your resilience, which is what mm -hmm. uh, people are talking about right now. Coming out of this COVID pandemic, so many transit systems maybe even some of the ones that you used to helm, have seen themselves kind of uh, go off the cliff, so to speak, during this thing, but not here. We really took it as an opportunity to look at the JTA and recognize that uh, there was going to be a new normal coming out of this pandemic. And we decided to take a look inward and really look at the services we currently provide, but more importantly, what are the service we need to provide going into the future? We're not immune to what's happened to many of our colleagues across the country. Significant hit in terms of our you know, decline in ridership. But we were fortunate because we have a very diverse funding model where we have sales tax, 
local option gas tax, and a constitutional gas tax. So our, our finances have been pretty stable. Our road projects were already funded through the local option gas tax, so we were an economic engine. We were able to keep uh, things rolling in terms of construction projects. And then at the same time, you know, we opened up this new facility. We made some adjustments in terms of our ridership, I mean, in terms of our service model. But more importantly, it gave us an opportunity to really look at what are those new service models, which there came the Ready Ride Michael Transit Services, partnerships with GoTuckin. And so we've been able to do a hybrid of our conventional services and then some privately operated microtransit services and been able to withstand the pandemic and its impacts on public transportation. I would also add that, again, we took this opportunity to really look inward. We developed the MOVE plan, which is mobility optimized by vision and excellence. We just publicly released that on our website last week. And what it does is really examines the various different scenarios that may occur coming out of this pandemic and provides us a roadmap in phase one to come out of this pandemic stronger with a more clearly defined set of options depending Mm. on rapid recovery economically, rapid recovery in terms of ridership, the development of a vaccine which has occurred. When does it occur? When does a certain percentage of our population and community receive that vaccine? And more importantly, how can we leverage the JTA and its act and its assets to actually impact our community and improve the health care outcomes related to recovery from the vaccine. And that's what today was all about. Yes. A lot of what today was all about. I was talking with Greg Hayes, your CFO, while we were down there, and he was mentioning something that's even a even a little more interesting mm. angle, which is really now, because a lot of people are working from home, it opens up the opportunity for agencies to recruit for some of these white collar jobs anywhere in the country. Exactly. You think that's right, where people can work from home? Well, uh, one of the challenges that we, we're facing is there is a competitive market for talent. In some cases, we're actually recruiting individuals that live in other parts of the country to work remotely for the JTA. And one example of that is in our procurement department. As I mentioned, our road program, our uh, autonomous vehicle program, we're moving forward with those procurements. And we have an opportunity to really tap into some bright and talented individuals working remotely. So somebody might live in Chicago and be doing procurement for you here. That's exactly right. Wow, and so those Matt. are and those are type of the out of the box thinking that we wanted to encourage our staff to do. And what we also did during the pandemic, we were holding remote thought leader type events. We called them pop-ups where our senior staff, the senior leadership team, over a WebEx or a Zoom meeting, we were talking with experts around the country in terms of their perspectives on recovery, what were alternative businesses, business models for public transportation and road building. And out of those efforts, that's how we fueled the move plan and the strategies within there, which is in this new normal, Remote working uh, gives us a great opportunity to bring in talent, to bring in expertise that may not be readily available right here in Jacksonville for some of the very creative projects we have underway. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So one thing we didn't mention Mm -hmm. was that you were chair of APTA. Yes. Uh, Actually, that's how I got to know you. You were chair of APTA and I was on the board through my Mm -hmm. job at MTA. And I really credit you with helping lead our entire industry during that year to open themselves up to what I call, and you, I think we both call, new mobility. Yes, right? yeah. that, that I called it the new mobility paradigm. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the title. I mean, it was taking the role of a transit agency from just being the provider 
of public transit to becoming the aggregator. That's so where right. are we going now? Come on, yeah. Mr. Prophet, tell well, us where we're yeah. going now. <laughs> so I, I agree with you, and I still feel the same way as I felt back then, which is we are, as public transportation agencies, we touch so many facets in terms of our community. And so I think sometimes we don't recognize our power, our influence, and our impact. And so today's an example of that as it relates to this COVID-19 pandemic. And we all know, I think in our case, 850 square miles of our service here in the city of Jacksonville, not counting the other counties, but 850 square miles, a combination of rural, suburban, as well as urban. We know on a daily basis there are members of our community that don't have access to education, they don't have access to healthcare opportunities, and also there's issues in terms of job opportunities. And we know that on a daily basis. So when this pandemic occurred, we really looked at how could the JTA, with its assets, its planning, its intellectual acumen, its talent, its facilities, how could we lean in and actually support our community and thereby continue to create the support for the JTA we need for our overall mission, what can we do to help this community to continue to show the JTA's value and worth? And that's where the partnership came up to create these mobile buses, that vaccination buses that are set up like a mobile doctor's offices. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it was rather easy, it was somewhat complicated to do that, but it continues to show our value to this community. It's that same mindset that we apply to a lot of the issues that our elected leaders are facing here. They see the JTA not just as a bus operation or just as the operator or I mean, builder of road projects, but they see us as part of the problem solving for issues on homelessness, on issues as it relates to uh, poverty in certain communities. We are seen as that beacon. I also would add that when we look at the public transport, we look at our, the way we are designed as the JTA, we have impacts in terms of economic vitality, sidewalk accessibility, bike lane accessibility. We have an impact on pedestrian fatalities and the safety of bicyclists. So the list goes on and on and on. I think we are best prepared and situated to be holistic transportation service providers, and we should not limit ourselves and stay in one lane. I really want all of our listeners who, the thousands of people around the world who hear this podcast, to rewind and listen to what Nat Ford just said one more time. That is how we remain relevant. Exactly. I agree 100%. So, you know, why stay in your lane? I'm, and it's kind of interesting because given any moment when we work on some of our projects, we do these complete streets projects. We're looking at pedestrian access, bicycle access, automobiles and parking. And many of us are doing this already. It's just that we don't grab the whole entire apple. We are doing a piece of it. And I just would argue that in coordination with our city, with the Florida DOT, the JTA has been given that opportunity to be more holistic in our approach to transportation challenges in our community. So once again, today, we didn't really get dive into it too deep, but mm -hmm. so there was a guy here from the state, from Ron DeSantis' staff, saying that you're the first in the state of Florida to run this vaccine buses. And I think you might be the first in the country. I haven't seen this anywhere else. I've heard MTA in Baltimore and a couple of us talking about it, but you actually are doing it starting today. Well, I mean, it's phenomenal. We are blessed with a, a board of directors that uh, allows us to be extremely innovative. And so we do take reasonable risks and look for reasonable opportunities to, again, not just be the public transit provider or road builder here in our community. Yeah. We live in this community. Our employees are very proud of this community. And they and I think it inspires them 
that they are able to, like on a day like today, the work that the maintenance individuals did to prepare, the, you saw the buses, yes, yeah. to prepare those buses, our marketing folks to actually do the marketing and the wrap on the bus. And it's those types of activities that goes far beyond our day-to-day -day blocking and tackling. It's more in line with our overall mission and vision in terms of providing a better quality of life in Northeast Florida. And so uh, I'm just so proud of them. I think you could hear it in my yeah. voice. So yeah. proud of them. And they have risen to the occasion like that over time. That's great. I think it lends support too when we ask for more money for opportunities to build. One of the things that I shared with you today is this major discussion around a local option gas tax here in Jackson. Yeah, you're with the mayor yesterday announcing that, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, again, we're not just talking about transportation projects for the sake of the project. It's what, it, what does that project mean in terms of the livelihoods of our citizens and our stakeholders? A local option gas tax, to give you it in a nutshell, the JTA currently enjoys a five cents charge on every gallon of gas here in Duval County in the city of Jacksonville. What is being proposed is to extend our existing sales tax another 10 years from 2037 to 2046, and then to add an additional six cents for 30 years from, I guess, uh, 2022 to 2051. And uh, with that addition, it gives us the opportunity to do a myriad, along with the city, a myriad of road building projects, complete streets projects, finally deal with ADA issues we have in our community as it relates to public transportation. And most importantly, it fully funds the U2C project, which is converting our Skyway, the automated people mover, two and a half miles converting it to the ultimate urban circulator, which will be a 10 mile, some of it, most of it will be at grade, but reconfiguring the existing monorail to a roadway at elevation, then applying using autonomous vehicles that will be able to operate on the aerial structure and then also operate at grade and expanding it at another eight miles, 10 and a half miles of downtown urban autonomous vehicle system. Phase one of that project, the Bay Street Innovation Corridor, is in its final stages of procurement. That will be a three-mile at-grade segment connecting the Skyway, not a direct connection, but a transfer, connecting the existing Skyway to the sports complex out towards the east, where the Jaguars play. Okay. And Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, is uh, proposing a development in and around the stadium. So we have a great origin and destination in terms of the sports complex. And we are fully funded on that project. And by this summer, we should be able to announce a, an award of a contract to build it. That's great. Give us a little more guidance, too. On, I, I, you mentioned it, but I want to put a little focus on it. Your ability to integrate so well in with your local elected leaders and how right. that is really a key to future success. Right. Well, the JTA has always had a strong partnership with the elected leaders in this community. Now, while we are not part of the city government and we're an independent state authority, the representatives on our board directors represent here at a local level, business leaders, highly respected individuals in our community. We network and partner with the city of Jacksonville very, very closely. While we don't get our budget approved or through the city, we do go to the city. We present our budget to the city. Quite often the city calls on us as well as the state to lean in as it relates to hurricane and evacuations uh, yeah. during hurricanes. So, it was a bad storm yesterday driving yeah, in Exactly, here. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're seen as an integral part of the economic factor 
fabric here, the community success, our DBE program, our small business program. A lot of the small businesses here in Jacksonville do business with the JTA. As you notice, the elected officials that were here today and what we did with the vaccination buses reflects their, we are serving our, our, our neighbors, but their constituents. And when they have an opportunity to see the JTA leaning to help out their stakeholders and deal with their community issues, it creates that strong partnership we have. And between uh, city council, the mayor's office and our board of directors, we would not even have this conversation on local option gas tax if they didn't value the JTA. They didn't recognize that this is going to create jobs for their community and better access for our citizens. So we don't take that relationship lightly. We do a great deal of what I call care and feeding of our board of directors and our elected officials and make ensure that they are part of all that the JTA does and particularly our successes. That's great. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with autonomous vehicles. I'll be going out and visiting that later, but uh, you've been one of the leaders there too. Where do you envision the role of autonomous vehicles going over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so it's been a very interesting journey for us. Back in 2016, we commissioned what was called the Skyway Advisory Committee, made up of elected officials, business leaders, downtown residents and business owners. And the reason being is the Skyway is at the point that it needs a major overhaul and upgrade and rehabilitation. And at that point, when I first arrived here in Jacksonville, there was a great deal of discussion about the Skyway was the Skyway to nowhere. Uh, it needs to be torn down, things of that nature. And if you, you travel around the country, there every downtown that doesn't have some type of people mover or streetcar, they're trying to find ways to invest in and create those types of services. Well, we created the Skyway Advisory Committee to get the facts out about the Skyway, to talk about the federal investment, the investment in the city, downtown development that was planned and underway at that time. And the decision was made by that body unanimously to not only rehabilitate and modernize the Skyway, but to expand it to its original design, which was much larger than a two and a half mile monorail. Out of that, we now the tough problem is how do you expand a two and a half monorail, two and a half mile monorail within our lifetimes? Right. <laughs> because uh, just the cost, the infrastructure was uh, too much of a mountain to climb. So our road building elements and engineering engineer part of the organization was really looking at autonomous vehicles as it was going to impact road construction and development of roads and smart traffic signals, things of that nature. And between the two sides of our organization, the transit operations side and the road buildings part of our organization, the autonomous vehicle U2C program was born, okay. uh, which was uh, solved, lifted all boats and solved a lot of the issues. We believe autonomous vehicle technology is a question of when and not if. And I think, as you can see over the last five years since we started with the concept, there's been a great deal of advancement. You will see our test facility out there at Armsdale, the Armsdale Test and Learn Facility, and you will see how advanced the technology has become. We've tested over seven vehicles to this date since that time frame, and we actually own one vehicle, the Perone Robotics EV Star vehicle, which is a conventional, what you would see, a power transit type vehicle that has a autonomous vehicle kit okay. actually installed on it. And the reason being is because many of the autonomous vehicles that you currently see, the Ollie 2.0, yeah. the Easy Mile, some of these vehicles have not gone through the NHTSA approval process to operate in mixed traffic. So as a plan B, we're going to have a vehicle that is roadworthy, but already automated and kitted out. 
We believe that this technology is, uh, again, question, not a question of if, it's a question of when. We need to make the smart decisions at the right time. Our test and learn facility has afforded us the ability as the JTA to actually go back to OEMs, and now they're working in partnership with us because our test facility has actually identified what we call the golden 20, which are 20 requirements that we feel is necessary for autonomous vehicle to operate in a public transit environment. And so you'll hear about that later today when you go to our test facility. And that has advanced the JTA's staff and team to be, I think, uh, on the cutting edge in terms of this technology. It's a very different model than in terms of the private passenger vehicle model, because obviously we're dealing with large number of public, uh, of the public and citizens. I was very fortunate to identify Bernard Schmidt, who is our VP of Automation and Innovation, has a background. He's actually, he's a chemical engineer, worked on nuclear subs, worked for in the uh, aviation industry in manufacturing and uh, rehabilitation of jet engines, as well as was the head of Amazon distribution here in Jacksonville. And they have if you've ever been in an Amazon distribution center, the automation and distribution process and robotics is amazing. And we were able to recruit him over into our industry because we had this vision of a project that clearly, and you'll see it when you talk to him, he is passionate about this. He's passionate about our industry and public transportation and how automation Artificial intelligence, machine learning, and innovation can really transform what we've been doing for, for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's take it one step further. High-speed rail, hyperloop, yes. vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. Give us where you think we're headed. What's your well, vision? How do you think this all fits together for us? Well, uh, you kind of let one out of the bag. We are working on a vertical. You really? Uh, yes, yeah. So we have meetings set up. We've met with a couple of uh, vertical takeoff companies. When you look at particularly Jacksonville, we have International Airport. You have the world-renowned Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic entertains or uh, takes care of customers from around the globe. Okay. And so Jacksonville is a medical vacation. I don't want to say. Vac- I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean. But there, it is a medical destination for people from around the globe. We have an MD Anderson Cancer Center here wow. that opened up a couple of years ago. And so between three major world-class facilities, UFL uh, Health uh, at, uh, at Shands is another facility. The ability to land in the airport and then possibly take a air taxi right to Mayo's campus or to MD Anderson or UF Shands is a is a reality to explore is an opportunity to explore and so we are working in that space with the airport and with a number of AV companies because when they're talking about these robo taxis the air taxis they're actually unmanned in a lot of cases so uh, so we're examining that in terms of uh, rail no talk about high-speed rail just yet but we are talking about commuter rail as i mentioned between saint augustine and jacksonville and so we've got a lot on our plate and it creates for an exciting environment for our team keeps them on their toes and keeps us innovating we see ourselves as an innovation company and not as uh, just a pure transportation agency I think that's a good vision for every transit system. Not what I call navel-gazing, right? Yes. Not to be constantly looking inward. Oh, no, not at all. So, so give us the final vision of where you think we're going and, mm-hmm. and what our listeners who represent, I think, most transit systems around the world are all trying to figure out what's next for us. In this uncertain environment, clearly you have to do your own inventory of where you are as an organization. We pride ourselves here in terms of identifying 
I think, talented individuals that are looking for opportunities to improve our community by being innovative. And so, our, our, yes, our black, blocking and tackling, our daily responsibility is moving our customers here in our community using our myriad of different transit services. But we've got to look to the future in terms of more efficient, more customer-focused delivery mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And that is going to require use of innovation, technology, thinking outside of the box. And it starts with your people. And I've been blessed and fortunate to build a team here that we know our mission, we know our vision. How we get there, we're relying on the talented individuals here to identify the most innovative, creative, customer-focused ways to deliver those services. And we are not wedded to the past. And here we encourage breaking the past practices and looking at new ways of doing things and not, frankly, limiting ourselves to just the purpose and the mission that I think everyone envisions public transportation to be. We have a role in terms of education. Our automation and innovation, our test and learn facility at Armsdale, we've had dozens, if not hundreds of kids through that facility, helping to build a, a, a pipeline yeah. of talented, innovative children in our community. So we have a role in that. Uh, we're not doing it to hire them as JTA employees. We're doing that to expose them to machine learning, artificial intelligence. And, it, and if the JTA can facilitate that for our community, then we're on the right uh, path. And so I'm just so proud of our team and our, our role in this community. Well, it goes beyond to, transportation. And that, I think that's the, that's the message of today. Of this, this, of, this, yeah, yeah. of this day and this time. And yeah. if this pandemic in this past year has not opened our eyes to our worlds can change dramatically and we need to prepare for that in the future and we need to leverage that and look for those bright, bright stars and opportunities that may not be plainly obvious. obvious. We, we drive to find those. That's wonderful. Nat Ford, thanks so much for being our oh, guest thank today. thank you, Paul. It's great to see you. Yeah. It's great to see you here in Jacksonville. Yeah, thank you mm. so much. And I think you've, you've, give, you've granted our listeners a vision of what a future transit agency can look like in the 2020s. Thank That's you. That's right. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.